whammy. Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. This is Matt O'Dell. I'm here with Marty Bent. What's up, freaks? What's the Bitcoin price? Bitcoin price right now, that's a great question. Let me open up the tab. It is $6,298.54 on Coinbase Pro. Okay, so last time we recorded, you guys dumped on us <laughs> while we were recording. Yeah. The price went down like $600. like 600 bucks while we were recording. Yeah, let's not do that this time, guys. We weren't paying attention. And uh, the date is September 11th, about uh, 6.45 at night here on the East Coast in Brooklyn. Had a lot to talk about this week, Matt. Uh, a lot of news. A lot of shady shit going on. Today was a big day in particular. But first, you wanted to talk about this. I'm very interested to jump into it because I think uh, it is a problem that a lot of newcomers have. Uh, the problem is unit bias, and we're going to explain unit Doge. bias. <laughs> Doge to the moon. As it pertains to Dogecoin. So Dogecoin has, it's up like 100% last few no, weeks. No, 185%, I think. I was off In by, the last month. Yeah. Fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, it's a little over a half a cent. Um, and this is just a meme coin, right? It has why do you, why do you think this is happening? When when was it created? Was it 2015 or something like that? <laughs> I think earlier than that. I think it'd be 20. Jackson Palmer. 2014. You might know him. He's on Twitter. He's a he's a socialist, a known crypto analyst. I said with quotations. Um, he created. We gotta speak right to the mic. I'm I'm giving. He's, he's, he's giving me miming over there. He he created Dogecoin as a as a as a as a joke as a joke coin to deride Bitcoiners. It was he thought Bitcoin was was silly, and so he created Dogecoin. It was a fork of Litecoin, I believe, uh, and he created it so that the supply would be a really high number, an, an insane number. I think it's like twenty one billion. Exactly. So. I'm not sure exactly how many there are. You want to you want to look it up while I continue to talk into this microphone. Uh, yes. um, so basically, by having a high number supply, Bitcoin has 21 million as its base unit. By having a high number supply, it looks like each coin is really cheap. Um, he thought that would. I don't. I don't know exactly what he thought, but most altcoin developers do it because it tricks people into thinking the coin is cheaper. Uh, he would say it's out of better intentions than that. The year 2050 supply, according to OnChain FX, is 280 million. That's a lot of commas. 53,000. Yeah. yeah. 280 million. Not even a billion. Not 100 no, billion. That's, that's 280 billion. Oh, billion. I thought that last comma yeah, was, a, was dude, a period. It's 280 billion. The current, billion. The current market cap is, is well, like 500 million. 730 on this. 730 million dollars. So it's not cheap. It looks like it's half a cent, but it's not cheap. Just because you you split it up into more, you split the pizza pie into more slices doesn't make the pizza any cheaper. Exactly. Right? So this is what we're getting into unit bias here. This is a problem with a lot of people in the space and a problem with, uh, I would say, the way Coinbase and other exchanges uh, have when they roll out these coins. They don't really have any educational tools to to make in uh retail investors abreast to these type of facts and and specifically in this case it was robin hood which is yes they have out of all the retail avenues they probably have the least educated people since it's a traditional equities platform it's a traditional stock platform it's not for 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 bitcoin traders or crypto traders on a, on a robin hood side note here they actually just got called out today in a publication i forget which one it is by uh giving High frequency traders' data to trade against their uh, users against. That's a nice monetization strategy. It really is. Uh, so basically, so you have all these uneducated retail. They see the price per coin is under, you know, uh, under a cent per coin, and they think that's cheap because they don't understand that it's they split the pie into more pieces, and and they have this awesome troll box. On Robinhood, I didn't know Robinhood had a troll box where they're inciting everyone. They're like, "Oh, Doge to five dollars, Doge to ten dollars. We're going to the moon," and you got all the memes and stuff. And meanwhile, you have Jackson Palmer here, who's trying to make fun of Bitcoin. Doesn't own any Doge, presumably, you know, and 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 he can't do anything to stop it. No. He's like created this little virus that he can't do anything. And he's one of the more uh, patronizing members of the community or community. We don't say community. He's one of the more patronizing uh, cryptocurrency enthusiasts out there. Meanwhile, his creation is going to cost retail a shit ton of money. Yeah. yeah, and he's got some socialist views, which I don't really, uh, I don't really 
find that acceptable in today's day and age, but that's a conversation for another time. So, but anyway, these altcoins, right? You never see an altcoin. You very rarely see an altcoin with less than 21 million supply. It's a, it's a, it's a common technique. Litecoin used it, you know, a lesser so they have what they have like an $84 million, 84 million yeah, four coin times supply. The supply, a quarter of the block time. Uh, Ethereum did it. They have 101 million supply, right? So that's, that's over five times Bitcoins. Um, they, they, they all do. Ripple does it to a huge extent. And the, the main reason is they, it's, it's easier to pump their bags to retail if each coin looks, looks cheaper. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, and there was, there was something coupled with the Robinhood news as well. Didn't they have like a... Uh, Doge Ethereum. Doge Ethereum, yeah. Yeah, that's just a bullshit pump and dump kind of thing. Yeah, be careful of, uh, if you guys are newer to this space, be careful of the, the big announcements that come out. Uh, they, created, they created a token on ethereum anyone can create a token on ethereum that's one of the main things dragging down this market right now is that you had all these tokens with ridiculous valuations right that that were just anyone could create them and they have complete control of the supply so someone created doge ethereum and everyone who owns dogecoin gets one of these worthless tokens and they're going to create some kind of centralized bridge between them but it's all bullshit it's just to induce the pump and yeah so doge pumped don't buy it. Don't short it. Just yeah, definitely don't short it. Feel free it to meme it. I kind of like the memes, the Tamoon memes. They're fun. They have a little one with a dog. That we, got like a, a we got a nice Doge crap. dog looking at us right now. There, as is, we there is a Doge dog in here. That's completely unrelated <laughs> to us. Completely unrelated to us. Um, yeah. So be careful out there. Be careful of unit bias when you're when you're uh, dissecting this stuff. And you should really only care about Bitcoin, uh, in my opinion. But on to the next topic, which is. Uh, the SEC was a ten or twenty day suspension of this the ETN uh, that the Swedish exchange offers the exchange exchange traded note. There's a Swedish exchange. I forget the name off the top of my head. Uh, most recently, Fidelity uh, gave their clients access to this uh, to this vehicle. Um, but it's the Stockholm Nasdaq. I yeah, think. it's the Stockholm Nasdaq. It's on the Stockholm Nasdaq. And there's two it's coin shares. Yeah, it's coin shares, and there's two. I think there's an Ethereum product product too. They got suspended as well i don't think there was an no I'm i think it was sure two was di- all right it was two different bitcoin products then yeah i don't think there was any ethereum products yeah yeah they get suspended for 20 days i believe or 10 days maybe even but uh the reason for the suspension was the inability of the people selling the note uh the to, broker dealers the broker dealers to correctly categorize uh the note uh they there was they were um they were labeling another uh different types of uh, commodities ca- categories. Yeah, they weren't they weren't filing their paperwork correctly. Yeah, and so, the SEC didn't want them to have an excuse for that. Yeah, so eh. it's basically non news. Non news. But it's just funny that Doge is pumping on Robinhood while <laughs> while this is going. Well, oh, the broker dealers can't figure it out. Okay. Um. So that's that's a short one. We'll get into the third one. Uh, big story in the Wall Street Journal today. I think it really highlighted the incompetence of some of these. Uh, ICO funds in particular uh, that we're seeing out of Silicon Valley it was a expose on Polychain in particular. And Matt, I don't know if you read the whole thing, but there's some pretty incriminating lines. Like these guys are are, are shooting from the hip. And, well, and the best play. part of the article is the pictures. The pictures are incredible. There's a l- <laughs> make sure you make sure you look at the wardrobe. Um, I yeah they. It's about Olaf Carson Wee's fund, who's become you know he's become pretty. Pretty famous over this last year, at least, because his his fund has been reporting ridiculously good returns. Right? Was it the article said it's like two thousand two thousand percent plus or something? Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Um, but uh, I mean, they basically created the bubble, right? Like they it was a self fulfilling prophecy. They got in early into all these different things and they pumped it to all their friends. And they pumped a bunch of money into it, and Olaf pulled a bunch of money out. Yeah, and here's uh, and now it's all crashing. And there was a lot of uh, oh, that incri- was there was a lot of incriminating lines in this art. Like Polychain basically admitted that they're skirting SEC rules by having a fake address in their filing. So here's the quote: Mr. Crabe, one of the friends who's first invested with Polychain, was among those having second thoughts. He had invented his own coin, dubbed the Numerar, Numerare. Yeah, you remember that one. Yeah. It was like the prediction betting, yeah. the prediction stock thing. This briefly made him wealthy on papers. Investors, including Polychain, bid it up. But, but Polychain subsequently sold some numerer, numerer, 
depressing the value of Mr. Crabe's holdings. Mr. Crabe shortly after redeemed his investment in polychain funds. What he says were unrelated reasons. Yeah. So uh, this guy invested in the fund. The fund invested in his token. The token pumps. They sell some of the token. The token dumps. Guy gets angry. Guy sells. Guy guy pulls out of the fund. Right. Yeah, and it precipitates it. And the whole time Olaf's collecting fees. Exactly. And that's and not even. is a horrible name for anything. I couldn't even pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still can't pronounce it. But that's not even the quote I meant to bring up. This is the one I meant to bring yeah, up. Yeah, because that was he that moved was the unrelated. Fr- he moved. Uh, in reference to Olaf, he moved the firm to new offices and converted warehouses. The San Francisco address listed on Polychain's public filings is a fake designed to fool would-be hackers and kidnappers who have targeted other crypto traders. This is going to be such an epic adventure either way, Mr. Carlson, Carlson we said, smiling. Like, if this whole thing collapsed, that would be crazy, you know? Uh, this is the man uh, who has hundreds of millions of dollars. First on, employee at Coinbase. First, first employee at Coinbase. Uh, and he pulled out 60 mil... I think they said he pulled out 60 mil this year. I would imagine. I would hope so for his sake. Um, but yeah, he basically just blase talking to a Wall Street Journal uh, journalist basically admits that. Yeah, is that not allowed? I, I would imagine if you're an SEC regulator. Like, out product, of all the things, like I'm not going to give, I, that's the thing I wouldn't give him shit about. But again, that's a good reason, right? Like you shouldn't have, like having your real address out there is. Well, this is my whole goddamn point, though. Like the. the I mean, but when you have structured products like this, like right, right, he has a billion dollar fund, exactly. billion plus dollar you, fund. Like, like the fact that you don't have the have armed guards instead, exactly. Right, but it just shows the lack of attention to detail. There's no, argue. there was no, the the smart money doesn't exist. This, well, the smart money I would like to think is in Bitcoin, but the smart money that everyone thinks exists, the guys running the billion dollar funds, are really. You know, they're just as clueless as everyone else, and they're and they're just moving cups around, yeah, right on a table, yeah. It's uh, and not get caught with the bag is the is the plan, yeah. So be careful, people. There are scammers everywhere. Michael Goldstein's been warning us since 2014, I believe. Uh, there was a great article that came out in August that was about FBG, which is a different fund that's in, uh, yeah, this is that's good in China. Up. And their whole strategy, they gave like a, a tell-all interview to Forbes, and their whole strategy was that they were literally pumping and dumping these tokens. And they, they talked about how they would pay for blog posts, articles, social media stuff. Then they would get it listed on one of the big exchanges, dump it all on retail, m- make bank, and then just rinse and repeat. And in that article, there was a quote from Olaf where he said, I view FBG as just one of the most talented investor teams in this space. So, you know, that's the type of guy you're dealing with. And this is really analogous to like pink slips back in the day, would you say? Or maybe even worse because they're just overtly uh, taking advantage of what I would call loopholes in the system and the way these markets are structured, especially the ICO markets where you get in on a pre-sale if you're, if you have enough money, if you're in the the upper echelon of the VC community or the the fund community, the fifty percent discounts, sixty percent discounts, and just automatically dump it on retail well, when you, it came out. That's well, what was going on last year. Basically. Well, automatically they have a fiduciary responsibility to, to like, dump it on retail. Exactly. So it's a law breaking securities violation. Yeah, like securities I would say law. it's a it's a it's a pretty big moral hazard that's going on right now, um, and probably needs to be uh, corrected at some point, but I think the market is correcting itself right now. The price of Ether is tanking. Dropped below 180 today for a little bit. Sweet, sweet blood. <laughs> um, People are panicking. People are... Uh, Bitcoin is, you know, has been a trooper. It has. It really has. I, I, you know, I keep... I think you say it a lot. You know, I keep thinking... Is is this bear market less severe, or is or is it just because we've been through it before? Uh, and it's probably a mixture of both, and it's probably not over yet. I doubt it's over um, yet. But Ethereum seems to be taking really taking the brunt of it. Yeah, uh, and dragging down the market with it. I, I you don't really hear that many bear theses about Bitcoin right now, uh, as much as as you hear. Yeah, I think the biggest panic bear, in Ethereum. I think the biggest bear thesis on Bitcoin right now is just pure exhaustion from the retail market. Um, There's just not that many of them, though. 
you know. Well, we have a couple friends that were talking about like four thousand dollar bottoms, stuff like that. Yeah, um, I think that's still possible. Um, but you know, maybe some of this Ethereum money moves over into Bitcoin. It seems like that has been the case. Yeah, I mean, relatively speaking. Uh, again, I tweeted this the other day. With I mean, we, and we talked about this last week with the the volatility that's rising in the emerging markets, and then as this capitulation is happening in crypto in particular. Maybe we'll see a clean decoupling in the next 12 to 18 months, maybe even sooner, as uh, Bitcoin, that's actually fulfilling the use case it's set out to fulfill to uh, uh, to a good extent, I would argue. Um, like these people in the emerging markets are not going to be able to deal with these shit coins. They're going to be like, all right, I want the thing that is dependable. I mean, the big wild card is, is that Ethereum, you know, Bitcoin has a small float. Ethereum has an even smaller float. So if... If the powers that be decide that you know they that they're going to double down here, and and you know continue to try and corner the market, then then the price will bottom and then that decouple won't happen, right? Yeah. But the the value prop of Bitcoin is clear, and that's not the case for anything else really. Uh, you know, I mean, I I I'm not one to I don't think that all coins are just going to disappear, but I think most most tokens will be negligible value they'll be like basically worthless and then and then most altcoins will get completely fucked and some will survive new ones will be born and the whole cycle will just continue you know for a long time it's uh it's a vicious cycle it's uh it's a cycle though and it probably will happen again but ethereum man i mean I mean, we had the article about Vinny today calling the Bitcoin Oracle, <laughs> even though he called the top at like $900, $1,000 last spring. You know, like you can call me the Ethereum Oracle because because I, I, I called that Ethereum was a bad investment at like 30 cents during the ICO and it crashed. So, you know, You're, uh, <laughs> I'm clearly I'm clearly. The Oracle. <laughs> no, that's bullshit. I'm not the Oracle because that's ridiculous. It went to 1500 in the meantime, you know, and that's. Yeah. When it, when it's sitting six x over where you called the top, you're not the fucking oracle. That's true. Yeah, that was but some... I still think Ethereum's going down to negligible value. I think it'll drop below hundred. I could see that. Um, but it's not a prediction. It's just a thought. There's a lot of a lot of panic in the the ICO sheets today. Yeah, I mean, well, this is another topic we can get to. There was a lot of panic in just like the ICO realm in general, I guess the, was it the SEC or the Department of Justice came out with a statement? Um, yeah, RE coin and uh, Diamond coin. There was a case, right? Yeah, there was a case, but then I, I think there was another overarching comment, just like, hey. Oh, that, that securities laws apply. Apply, and I think. Wait, you, so didn't we all know that? Like, obviously. Yes, but if you look into the nitty gritty, it's not as uh, bearish as initially thought. Like, I think the comment actually, when you read into the fine print said we are going to let uh juries decide if securities law applies what juries yes oh, i thought you said jerry's for a second i was like what's the juries juries jerry yeah i got a, I got classic a, philly yeah 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 we're going to go get cheese so they're gonna let paid. it was a case-by-case basis i would think so which is what but Not that's possible. kind of what we thought yeah i mean look all these tokens were basically security tokens and they were afraid they were going to fall under securities uh, rules, which obviously they would. So they pretended they were utility tokens. Like a lot of them weren't actually ever conceived as utility tokens. They were literally just a way to extract money from retail, but they pretended, you know, like something like Civic, talking about Vinny, right? Is like that was a clear case for a security token. Uh, The token is completely useless in the system. It's unnecessary. It shouldn't have any value. And, but he, he pretended it was a utility token. He, he gave the argument of a utility token to sanction the sale, basically, right? It was a loophole-ish way of... Yeah, and then he came out a year later. Bite him. Came out a year later and said, hey, the token's worthless. I've been looking for that. Have you found that? I haven't found it. I saw it. It was on Twitter, right? Yeah. He probably took it off for good reason. Okay, if you, if you, know, if you know the point where Vinny said that, that Civic was unneeded, because we're pretty sure he said it somewhere, just send that in to us. You know, either DM or just blast it out there and tag us in there so we see it. That'd be great. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah, speaking of, uh, but there's just these, panic in ICO. It's basically yeah, it's, sum it up. The, the capitulation is, yeah. and they have huge treasuries and they want to dump them and yeah. Uh, 
Didn't Dyer come out and say the the ICO treasuries have probably three point five percent of total ETH supply? Well, the the thing I would say is I think that Ethereum supply is extremely concentrated to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So you know all the arguments that Bitcoin supply is concentrated. I think Ethereum is even more. So if you do have even if it's only three and a half percent, like that's a it's a large amount. Especially if it's of the scraps that that have gone. It's like gone a Mexican around. standoff kind of situation, right? Because they all see each other's balances. Yeah, so they're like, "Don't move! Are you gonna move?" And they all know each other because they all like fucking fleeced retail together. <laughs> 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 They've been all the same conferences and everything. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're. I think capitulation is in the air. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But like you were saying, uh, like with the with the workarounds that a lot of these funds and a lot of these token projects use to sort of uh, to basically try to define their tokens as utility tokens and not securities. There's something going on in the exchanges. This is a trend you've been following where a lot more exchanges are accepting uh, proof of stake coins to stake on behalf of uh, their customers. And this might bleed into some, some gray area where this action may drive uh, a good case that that these coins are actually securities offerings right so i I mean i think a lot of us have theorized for what i mean we still to this day don't really have established proof of stake chains um it's still very much a theoretical exercise um we do have things like tezos and cardano that's semi they they have a they they run a decent amount of value and they're like semi case studies but like for instance ethereum hasn't switched over none of the real major chains that 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 conduct a lot of transactions a lot of volume are are using uh proof of stake yet so a lot of the arguments for and against proof of stake have been theoretical mm-hmm. um and one of the arguments that a lot of us have theorized is that the incentives with proof of stake will lead to more centralization in the system. And that's because you have advantages when you control a larger pool of of stakeable coins, right? Mm -hmm. Like not only do you get the benefits of cornering the supply that you normally get by by holding a lot of coins, you also get that benefit of of being the the main main point of securing the network, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're not only... Not only are you one of the major coin holders, but you're also one of the major miners, and it goes hand in hand, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times, the major coin holders are exchanges, right? Because all the users are most users aren't taking their coins off exchange, right? They're keeping on exchanges. We saw that with Coinbase when they used to keep when they were they were way more lax with their UTXOs. We saw ex- we knew how much they were holding. They were holding tons and tons of Bitcoin, tons and tons of Ethereum, and users are just very comfortable keeping them on exchanges. So the next conceivable step is that those exchanges then uh, stake the user, f- user funds. So any, any funds you keep on exchange, then they go and they secure the network and get paid the reward for it. Um, Coinbase has talked about it. They, they haven't released it yet as part of their rebranding with the whole Coinbase Pro thing was that they, in Coinbase Pro they want to do stakeable deposits. Uh, Binance is already doing it with NEO. Uh, they 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 allegedly it seems they're doing it with strat too but they're with neo at least they're paying their users the <laughs> proportional amount with strat they're not and then gate.io just which i would never advise you ever use it's a horrible exchange um is is now allowing tezos users who hold tezos to to stake their coins tezos even launch yeah, it's in it's in beta net right now. Okay. Um, I think that's part of the reason why Ethereum people are panicking. I mean, all these people like once you make it known that all you care about is like the latest and greatest bleeding shiny edge, thing. you know, shiny thing, then there's all these other ones that you're competing with, right? They're competing with all the Ethereum. They're not Ethereum's not competing with Bitcoin. Ethereum's competing with all the so-called Ethereum 2.0 projects, right? And uh, I mean, Ethereum, Ethereum was was pitched and sold as a as Bitcoin 2.0, but it can barely compete with Bitcoin v.16, you know, so. Right. So so they're actually competing with like all those Ethereum 2.0 projects. But I, I think that eventually what you'll see is these exchanges are going to offer you better rewards than if you 
than if you stake separately, right? Mm -hmm. Because they get all that extra influence and they get you, you, you're more likely to trade on their platform and use their services and all this stuff. So I could, I, I think the incentives of POS are set up in a way that, you know, users will be inclined to go to exchanges because exchanges will pay them more money to keep their coins on those exchanges. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big incentive dilemma. Uh, people that are arguing for proof of stake find themselves in. It just makes the most sense. Like, this is what's going to happen. I mean, the other thing that's interesting about that is that, like, the legit exchange, like, the so-called legit exchanges, like, the ones that are regulated and stuff, like Coinbase and everything, they're not going to be able to compete with, like, the, the bucket shops of the world, like the Binances and the Bitfinexes and stuff, because they don't have to deal with the, all the regulations. So they can give you way more leverage and interest and this and that and all these different things so then all of a sudden you have a network that you know is controlled by even fewer exchanges than you would imagine before and 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 questionable exchanges right you have you you have a network secured by by exchanges that that a lot of people that support these like the status branch of crypto would would disavow you know they'd be like oh my god i can't believe binance is securing 40 percent of ethereum or something you know that's crazy yeah what is the argument against this let's steel man this what uh but the argument against this is that there will be decentralized ways for people who have less than a thousand eth to to pool and stake their coins so they won't use exchanges but I, I think it's easier to use an exchange and it'll make you more money. So like most people will do that. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, like you're like most retail investors again, probably yeah. aren't going to be able to do the step by step technical guidelines to. Yeah, Binance says like put your money in the account and then like you'll get more money than if you don't put your money in the account. Like people are going to do it, right? Yeah. So we'll wait to we'll wait to see how that plays out. I am still skeptical that they will ever transition to proof of stake. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Oh, I mean, I don't, I mean, if they do, it'll be way messier than people think. And I think it'll be a death knell for them. They're kind of stuck. If they don't, it's the same thing though. If they don't, they're fucked because all the Ethereum 2.0 projects are coming out of the gate with proof of stake. Uh, but either way, like proof of stake currencies aren't probably going to go anywhere. Aren't going to, have negligible value anytime soon until one of these big ones gets like thoroughly fucked. Yeah. Like you, you need like a, you need a real like, Oh shit moment where where one of them just gets wrecked. So this is a good history lesson. Uh, back in 2014, uh, when MinPal was still around, that's why. So Veracoin is a, is a lesser known proof of stake coin. And it just so happened that MinPal at the time, uh, in 2014, I believe it was May, 2014, got hacked and they were holding uh, uh, like I think 40 to 50% of all Veracoin and Veracoin uh, like that hacker took a lot of the Veracoin um, so that was an instance where an exchange was holding most of the supply of this coin and they had a hard fork uh, because the, the hacker could have destroyed the network um, just because one exchange got hacked but that was like one of the main arguments for the DAO rollback was that, oh, we're going to move to proof of stake and like, oh, we can't have like one bad person having 15% of the coin supply. Yeah. And then like the the argument against that is, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why does your security threat model like involve like a person having 15% of the, of the currency <laughs> being able to compromise the whole thing? Seems, you know, flawed. Yeah. Um, does anyone have 15%? You know? That's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know. Someone does. <laughs> but um yeah so that's an interesting thing uh interesting development uh, that matt wanted to expound upon so be something to uh, be cautious of in the future especially if you're bullish on proof of stake um i'm not but i don't i don't think any of our listeners really are i just think it's something interesting to watch especially since the exchanges tend to have a lot of power in this space mm-hmm and this this will amplify their power. You know, we saw like a lot of the things that that Jihan was playing and Bitmain was playing during Segwit 2x and 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 Segwit in general, where oh, are they going to activate on Litecoin or are they going to activate on Bitcoin? Is they were playing all the chains against each other, you know, and mm-hmm. and you'll probably you'll we'll probably start seeing that with 
with the proof of stake coins on the exchanges. Yeah. So speaking of exchange power, another news item this week, Gemini and Paxos. uh, I think the news was way overblown than it actually is. Uh, So they came out with announcements that they have uh, approved stable coins, U.S. dollar-backed stable coins. Uh, Gemini is using the ERC-20 token. I'm not positive how Paxos is doing it. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're doing it. Uh, Yeah, I don't think they are using it probably. I'm just sure. because, yeah, because the Ethereum people haven't been talking about it as much. Yeah, so not sure, but uh, anyway, just either way, they're the, both bullshit. Uh, yeah, so let's describe what 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 happened. Well, so first of all, you have two different types of stable coins, right? You have the algorithmic stable coins that take a basket of goods and try to they they, they use cryptographic goods, right? Tokens, but but like whether they're tokens or Bitcoin or Ethereum, they have like some like something cryptocurrency backing it that that at least you can prove it in a blockchain right Mm -hmm. and then you have uh then you have the actual asset backed ones which are basically us dollars in a bank account which is what tether uses which is the the number one stable coin and and basically in that situation you have a central party that controls the whole system and and you're trusting them to hold it in the bank account for you right yeah so that's just like all basically all security tokens are mm-hmm. that same model whether it's us dollars in a bank account or the empire state building split you know five billion ways <laughs> um there it's no matter what you have a trusted third party or gold the big ones there's a lot of gold ones like mm-hmm. bullshit gold tokens and and you're trusting a third party to to back that asset. Yeah, to collateralize that. Right. And in this case, it's Gemini and, and Paxos. I think Paxos is working with Ipbit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these entities are regulated entities. And one of the reasons people are excited about it is because, oh, we have a regulated alternative to Tether, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the main value prop of Tether is that it's not regulated, right? So, so Gemini needs to follow all... KYC, AML laws, they can freeze your funds at will, they can buy, like you're using PayPal, like you're using PayPal that is more expensive because it's on a fucking blockchain <laughs> and and it's it could get blocked and seized and all this, it doesn't compete with Bitcoin, it doesn't compete with Tether, I'm, it competes with like storing fiat on Coinbase or using Cash App to send money to someone, right? Yeah. Like it's, I mean, Theoretically, you can use it in like an Ethereum smart contract, which is what people are excited about. You mm-hmm. can have, but I think that any of these systems that that and designs that have to enforce KYC, AML, and 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 you're providing identification and your funds can be blocked at will, like destroys that whole main value prop. And you'll have competitors like Tether or whatever, the next Tether that comes after it that are going to compete with you and they're always going to do better. Yeah. And, but it's interesting how crazy people went over this news. It was like, Oh my God, this is uh, the biggest news for Ethereum in a while. Well, it's because people love the tether FUD mm-hmm. and they think this could compete with tether. Uh, you know, the main risk of tether, well, you have two main risks. You have to trust them. I like, I, I don't use tether. I would never use tether. As a Bitcoiner, these, it like goes against everything I believe in. The biggest value prop for these stable coins is trading, right? Like just being able to have. No, the, I mean the biggest value prop for Tether specifically is that traders who don't, who are afraid that like Bitcoin or Ethereum are going to go down, but don't want to expose their identity or pay taxes or stuff like that, they go into Tether. Uh, it's like we had all the all these exchanges. Remember in in 2014 2015 it was so hard to to have a usd access point um for your shitcoin exchange right yeah it was like impossible like very few that's one of the reasons mount gox was so big and when it fell it was so bad was that there were so few exchanges could get us dollar bank accounts right so like basically the tether philosophy is if you have a bunch of rich people have dollars in their regular bank account like not a business bank account that takes deposits every day right and the tether only gets bought for bitcoin and sold for bitcoin so it never touches the actual real financial system then you have like this house of cards way of getting fiat into all the different shitcoin exchanges and 
yeah, there's a single point of failure, but like it'll last long enough or whatever, you know? And I think it got too big and eventually they're going to get fucked. But, <laughs> and the biggest risk is, is the government coming down, but that's the value prop, right? Yeah. Is, is to end around basically worldwide financial regulation. So uh, two neutered tethers got... got yeah, uh, so how does that compete? How do you have yeah. something that's regulated ever compete with something that literally is only thriving because it's a unregulated fiat gateway exit, both... Maybe it's uh maybe it'll be used by like institutional investors, like trading desk. But then why not just like keep US dollars on Gemini, right? Like yeah. if you want to sell Bitcoin for US dollars and you want to trust Gemini, then you send Bitcoin to their exchange and you transfer you know, you just sell it for dollars. Yeah. <laughs> just to hold, then you're trusting them account. anyway, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, why add, another, why add another layer of trust? Well, the main with thing coin? is what they're saying is for smart contracts, right? So, like, if you had like Augur, mm-hmm. you know, you could make a bet and you could, and you, and you could Lock denominate up. it in U.S. dollars through the Gemini USD. But like, that's bullshit, right? Because the government's not going to let you bet on things that are illegal through Augur using this regulated product. Like, they might in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then everyone gets fucked. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, 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 they might, but that's the same theory. It's like the same Ethereum project theory, which is break all the laws now, take no precautions, and then just beg the regulators, please, please, fucking spare me. <laughs> don't you know? It's worked up to anything. this point. I don't know. It's worked up to this point. I mean, today that's what we're talking about, right? Like that. This is. This is the it's the house of cards that is is built without any real protections, and this is what happens. It's like they, the U.S.'s big dick just comes down hard. Yeah, U.S. filled with big dicks. But no, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. When does it launch? Do we know? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Either. Soon, That's two weeks. Two weeks. The, you heard it here first. The, the long-time Bitcoiners <laughs> will know we're still waiting. Litecoin's supposed to get added to Mt. Gox in two weeks. <laughs> that, was, that, was the big, that was the big one. Uh, that was another thing. Like Stellar's been big in the news this week, too. Mm. A lot of partnerships. Why doesn't Jed McCaleb get more shit? So Jeb was... Uh, he was the original Rip- owner of Mt. Gox. And one of, one of the Ripple co-founders. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, original co-founder of Mt. Gox. Uh, he Ripple. sold it to Carpolis. Yeah, so we'll get, we'll get back to that. Original owner of Mt. Gox, uh, founder of Ripple, moved from Ripple to Stellar, founder of Stellar. Dude's made a ton of money off this space. Back to Mt. Gox. Like, I think people should be shitting on Jeb more because he handed Mark Capellis uh, a pretty shitty product. It was already broken, right? And I'm pretty sure he knew uh, it was doomed to fail. And then he kept a percentage, I'm pretty sure, of the company too. So he owned some of Gox when it went down. Yeah. Um, and you know, he was like on the inside, he knew about it. like when, yeah, when those documents leaked, whether they were showing the crisis reports and stuff like you're telling me he didn't know. Yeah. And Ripple's just like a designed scam. So, <laughs> but he's one of those scammers that's flown under the radar has been pretty unscathed. I would argue. Stellar is, if you're not aware, is the, is the coin of, of the absolute statists. If you're the, you know, Ethereum's in the middle, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more statist, and then and then you have Stellar, which is just straight up. We're gonna ID you. It's gonna basically be like PayPal 2.0, maybe slightly better. Yeah. Right. And we're gonna control the whole supply, and Stripe's gonna have like 15. percent Yeah. Does Stripe in the have like three round. billion or something? Yeah, they like invest that? in the seed round, and Stellar is the same bullshit as Doge, where they just you you make your base unit a ridiculously large supply number. You know, and like we could split Bitcoin up into 200 billion pieces, mm-hmm. you know, that it's the same amount of Bitcoin. It's the same ledger, you know, and you would think it was cheaper, but there's no reason to do that. That's just dishonest. That's yes. just bullshit. Yeah. Unit doesn't bias. make anything cheaper. It doesn't change anything. You could buy a fraction of a Bitcoin, FYI. Uh, yes. I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah. Be careful the unit bias out there. It's, it's everywhere. Um, but yeah, Jeb Caleb, I'm going to give you a little shit. I, I yeah, he wasn't been, in the to topic. Keep, yeah, fuck you, Jeb. I think you've been a little uh, unscathed throughout the years. You've uh, you've been part of some shitty shitty things in this industry. Qu- quotes industry. I think people gave him a lot more shit, and then when he like fucked over the Ripple guys and was like, "I'm gonna dump all my funds on you," <laughs> we all you know. 
All right, Chip. He kind of was like, there's like a lot of worse people. That's funny. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Like they, like he tried to dump all of his ripple because they have a huge pre-mine and he got a huge element of the pre-mine. And so when he wanted to quit ripple and create stellar, which was a direct copy, by the way, of ripple, <laughs> he was like, he announced, he was like, the ethical thing to do is I'm going to announce to everyone that holds ripple that I'm going to dump all of my ripple and the price just <laughs> fucking crashed. And then they locked him up. They locked up his funds. They froze. That's when everyone really, you know, I mean, we knew, but that's when a lot of people realized for the first time, they're like, Oh shit. Ripple can just block your funds from, because they, they froze them. They like, were like bit stamped. You can't sell them or whatever it was. Yeah. Crazy. Centralized. Uh, all right. Next topic. De- he deserves more shit. You're right. Yeah, he does. Back to Bitcoin. Uh, again, a light reminder that uh, Bitcoin Core version 0.17 is getting the beta release. No, Release Candidate 3 just came out. Release Candidate 3 just came out. So um, you can download that, test that out. Test it out if you're a developer. Uh, help help with the testing. If you're looking to, again, if you're looking to get in and sort of you've been looking to contribute, you don't know how, maybe maybe testing can your, can be your... Yeah, uh, you're jumping to the to the shallow end. There's literally nothing. You have if you have no Bitcoin on it, you just run the software. You know, yeah. fuck around with it. Yeah. Um, and then is this the last topic already? No, I think you skipped a couple of things. What do you what, what do you think is the last topic? I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna talk about what Eric Meltzer brought up today. Um, spoke to someone tonight working on something that is a very good chance of reducing oh. the amount of storage a Bitcoin full node needs from over 100 gigabytes to a few kilobytes without a hard fork. Anyone who thinks Bitcoin development is stagnant isn't paying attention. I mean, this is all hearsay at this point, but uh, this would be a, a ridiculous improvement if that's possible. Yeah, it sounds like bullshit to me. Okay. Matt thinks it's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. It seems way too good to be true. If it's too apparently good to be Greg, true, it's probably bullshit. Apparently, Greg Maxwell looked at it and, and said yeah, it's right? appeasing. Have you seen him say it? or No, we just hear he said it, right? I mean, does anybody ever, other than know. Reddit? Does he? He's like not he's, on Twitter. He's he's very outspoken on Reddit. And I haven't on, been on Reddit in a while. Though. And on the Bitcoin mailing list, we'll see. On if, the, yeah, of course, on the mailing but, list. But I mean, so let's, let's keep this hypothetical. I just I don't think that it's like truly full nodes. I don't think it's like really in the don't trust verify ethos. You know, like there's always there's always uh, trade offs. Right, and usually when you see things that that seem Seems like this too, good, too to good to be true, then they probably are, you know, too fucking good to be true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, we'll see. Let's just assume that it might be true. There's a lot of development going on in general. Yeah, that's true yeah. as well. Um, you want to talk about Schnorr signatures real quick? Actually, let's stay on this real quick because I am excited about Schnorr. Somebody signatures. hopped in. Uh, somebody hopped in my mentions after retweeting this. He said, if this is true, wouldn't this be used as an argument for bigger blocks? And I would actually argue it would be an argument for smaller blocks. Uh, make it more efficient. Lower the block size. A lot of, some people want to lower the block size. I don't know if that's possible anymore. But this says storage, first of all. Okay. So This is just spinning up a full node. The, the, most, the most important thing when it comes down to the block size, full node debate and everything is, is bandwidth, right? Yeah. It's, it's your internet connection. Mm-hmm. It's not the actual hard drive that's 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 there that's those are pretty cheap you know roger and co have made sure to tell us how cheap they are they are very fucking cheap you know and and i i i was saying with you last week that an ssd is is better than a hard drive you know ssds are more expensive but all of them are fucking cheap storage is cheap internet is really hard you know is is really hard to have these high bandwidth caps in large areas of 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 the world and the larger the internet requirement is, the easier it is to attack a network, right? Because mm-hmm. you'd only have to take out certain areas. You only have to degrade degrade connections in certain places that need to, to fuck transfer, up the propagation. Right? Yeah. Um, so I mean, this 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 seems like it's more. I think I actually I remember Eric talking about this in in one of our Telegram chats. Is like the idea is you still verify like the new transactions that are coming through, but like you have like kind of an archived history. Okay. Right. So, in so in that case, it, it doesn't, I'm not really sure, but like it, it doesn't really change 
it doesn't really change the bandwidth requirements. It's simply changing, you know, the storage requirements. Right. So exactly. it'll help. It's like a prune. It's like with it's the same idea as like something like pruning, right? Where I, I I think it might not be the same technical idea, but it's the same end game as something like pruning, where you're removing historical blocks, but you but you still are verifying that they're the most recent the most recent transactions, the most recent blocks. We'll see. I'm gonna keep my eye on this. It was interesting. If true, could be cool. Could but be we really have cool. we have. We definitely have one more thing to talk about, at least. What's that? Well, Bittrex just opened up an international office in Malta. Oh. And Binance this is interesting. already opened up their offices in Malta. Bit- Bittrex is Seattle-based, correct? They're definitely American-based. Yes. I thought they were nearish Boston, but maybe they're Seattle. I don't know. They could be near Boston as well. Poloniex reason- is Boston, right? I'm not positive. Before Circle, and now they're Circle. Yeah. Anyway, they're American. And a lot of people thought Poloniex was going to get fucked by the U.S. Gov. And then instead, Goldman Back Circle bought them. And part of the deal when they got bought was... Automatic K- KYC AML. No, but also free pass, right? It was, it was okay, everything from now on is going to be kosher. And everything beforehand, we'll just pretend was kosher, right? Mm-hmm. And so then once Poloniex got the free pass, everyone kind of thought Bittrex was going to get the free pass. Uh, they've been doing some sketchy shit lately. They keep adding all these, you know, random altcoins and tokens didn't, and stuff. Didn't Bittrex bring on somebody like an ex-Department of Justice member onto their board recently, though? I mean, maybe. Like I, the last I, year? Look, they're American-based, right? So they wouldn't still not have been fucked by regulators if they're not doing their proper revolving door, you know, economics. <laughs> Due diligence. Yeah, like bringing in all these ex-guys. But... The fact that they keep adding altcoins, they haven't been acquired by anyone big, there hasn't been any kind of decision, and then they decide they're going to launch a Malta office kind of makes me feel like they're playing with fire a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because like the whole idea of the Malta office right, is that it's going to handle all their international mm-hmm. clients so they don't have to comply with U.S. regs when they're not dealing with U.S. customers. Presumably. But how do you know you're not dealing with U.S. customers? It's impossible to really tell. Yeah, it's the uh, slippery slope. It's like BitMEX, right? Yeah. Like BitMEX is like, we don't use, we just block US IP addresses, right? Like your internet address. We just block US addresses. So there's no way that US customers use us. But US customers can just use a VPN and and access it, right? Yeah. And BitMEX knows that, but they're like kind of playing with fire a little bit. And that's what Bittrex seems to be doing. It's it's regulatory arbitrage. They want to. They want to get away from from the American regulations and, and move into Malta, which is known for they have pro gaming gambling regulations. They pass their own cryptocurrency regulations to attract cryptocurrency businesses there. Very laissez faire in Malta. Um, yeah. So keep an eye on Bittrex. That's interesting. Bittrex sort of like died in the last couple of years, but has been making a little bit of a research. It's, it's these. It's all these shitcoin bucket shops. They. They thrive. And then they get like so much customer, they get, they get so much volume and so much business that they become a target and then they get fucked or they like, or they don't necessarily get fucked. They just, they try and they have to buckle down. They try and clamp everything in and, and not lose like everyone's money. And then like the next one comes up. Right. So like Bitrex blew up and then, and then right after Bitrex, like Poloniex blew up and then, and then Binance went up, right? And like before then we had the Cripsies and the Mint Pals and like all of them, right? And like they, they don't last that long. You know, Poloniex is probably going to be one of the exceptions just because, just because uh, they got bought by Goldman, right? I mean, go, Goldman back circle, but like... Circle is like six degrees of separation here. So they got like an extra, they got an extra deal there. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, we live in a global age. All these services can be served up on a website from basically anywhere in the world to billions of people. And the U.S. government has historically, the way they've enforced these rules have been by severing financial connections and now that you have Bitcoin and I hate saying it, but like things like Tether, right? Um, which is which uses the Bitcoin blockchain, but it's 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 a trusted third party. But when you, when you have Bitcoin, 
it makes it way more difficult for them to to curb those those currency inflows and outflows, right? Mm-hmm. So like they're gonna have to start doing if these if these if they want to like clamp down on Malta, you know they're gonna have to do coercion stuff like that. But then like, what's the next country that that wants to court cryptocurrency business? And then like, what happens when the next country is like a South Korea or a China or a, you know like a or Russia Argentina or or well, but I. There needs to be like some kind of military power there, right? Because because yeah. the U.S. can theoretically, you know, just do it. Flex. You have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Flex. Exactly. Um, um, but but it becomes way more expensive to enforce, right? And if you have like twenty different little exchanges or services that handle all these different things, and they're all breaking U.S. regs, and they're all in different countries, like it becomes really really expensive to enforce, right? But this. Yeah, and Bitcoin. It's like a hydra, so you'll try and shut it down in one area, and it'll completely pop up somewhere else. So, yeah, now Malta's getting these tax dollars, right? Like now, whatever their tax rate is, is probably like super low. But even if it's ten percent, like that's ten percent more that they're they getting from Bitrex or Binance than China or the United States are getting, right? Because it's actually kind of interesting that they got Binance and Bitrex because Bitrex is the American exchange. And then Binance is the Chinese exchange. And there's like two different sides of the coin, but they're both scaring away businesses. So we're seeing the Laffer curve play out in cryptocurrencies. Exactly. Uh, looking for, looking for uh, lenient tax, tax burdens. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, we'll follow that. I didn't know that they, they opened a Malta office. That's a new one that... Yeah, it's quite exciting. Quite exciting. Richie Lee. Congratulations. And then there was Bloomberg released a hit piece against Malta today saying how Malta sold its soul to the devil. Of crypto? Um, of it's, they, their main business that they've been doing is uh, they sell citizenship to, to like Russian oligarchs and rich people. Mm-hmm. So you could buy like citizenship for like 400K and like with an investment in real estate there too. And then, um, and they just, they're like, all their banking laws are really lax. So they have gaming, a lot of uh, poker. Yeah, and uh, digi- all like sports betting and stuff like that yeah. is run out of there. And cryptocurrency they have. It's a, it all kind of goes the hand in hand. The statists don't like freedom. And they're in the EU technically. So they have access to the whole EU market, which is oh. the, that's the key, right? The key is that they like kind of weaseled their way into the EU and then they were like, fuck you. How did that small of a country weasel their way into the EU? Because when they got added, the EU was like in their like lovey phase where they yeah. were like, let's add everyone, you know, like they added all the Baltic countries. Yeah, it's uh, actually my favorite book on talking about countries getting added to the EU. Uh, it's only a couple chapters, but Boomerang by Michael Lewis, the way uh, Italy and uh, Greece got into the EU is pretty laughable. Apparently, Goldman Sachs helped them cook their books to get their debt to GDP ratios uh, at a at a palatable balance sheet uh, ratio um, to get entrance into the EU. And less than a decade later, they were, uh, they were pretty much bringing down the rest of, of the Eurozone. But that's another topic. Last topic of the day. Uh, we didn't write this down, but we should talk about it. We talked about it, I believe, two or three episodes ago. Uh, Laurent PM, he's been putting out this four-part series. We talked about the first one. Um, and basically how we should be mining, or excuse me, uh, measuring the power expended by Bitcoin mining in different ways. We should not be uh, basically coming to this number by uh, the cost per transaction uh, or the amount of energy needed per transaction. There's a more detail to it. Go back a couple of episodes and listen to that. Since that episode, he's released two parts. One, the yin, yin and yang uh, of Bitcoin mining. Uh, or POW, which is miners and hodlers. And then the third one was cliffhangers, where he got into this concept of Satoshi's cliff. Um, highly recommend you guys go check those out. High level, I wrote about it in the newsletter today, Marty's Bent. Go subscribe if you haven't already. Um, the price performance ratio is a metric that is typically used to measure the ratio of the price of a product to its performance. And performance metrics differ depending on what product you're talking about. Uh, but we can apply this concept to Bitcoin and mining in particular. Um, so, and it really tries to illustrate the difference between old and new products. And the way Laurent broke this down is that every new block is essentially a new product. And um, basically what you do is you track the UX, UTXO set after each block that's mined. 
measure its performance by using the number of Bitcoin days secured per block uh, or number of Bitcoin days secured that a block has accumulated, excuse me. And um, once you run the numbers, you have an observable yin yang, which is discovered, uh, which again is miners and hodlers. And what Laurent found when he went to go make this ratio is that Bitcoin uh, mining and the economic activity on the network is becoming more and more efficient over time. Um, Basically, the idea keeps coming back to that every new block is really securing every transaction that's ever happened. Exactly. So you you basically amortize that, right? Yes. And and the concept of uh, viewing every new block as a new product is something very interesting. Uh, and then the third part really raised more questions than answers. And he dove into Satoshi's cliff. Uh, he's basically creating a thought experiment to attempt to measure the cumulative effect of POW uh, and the effect of increasing hash rate on old blocks. Not sure what that means, um, but he sort of raised this question to, to to ask for help to sort of dive into this problem in particular. It's basically like how do you value – I mean, my take is like how do you value that increased security on – like when you do the calculation and you're trying to say that every new block increases the security of every previous block and every previous transaction, how do you actually put a, a numerical value on that? Right. How do you put a, like a, a real value on it? Yeah. So it's because the value is there. It's definitely there. It's just finding out what, what metrics to use, how you calculate it. Yeah. So Laurent, thank you for, uh, Writing the series. Great dude. Great dude. Very thought provoking really and smart and really uh, sort of driving legitimacy into. And I think if these metrics come to fruition and they're found to be useful, uh, it really helps Bitcoiners and people in this space uh, refute FUD, especially when it comes to energy consumption and Bitcoin mining. We're 56 minutes in. Uh, final thought of the newsletter today was I watched Logan last night. It was a great movie. Wolverine's been always been one of my favorites. You watch uh, Logan? I tried watching Jack Ryan on Amazon. It was pretty poor. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews about Jack uh, Ryan. I like John Krasinski. Krasinski. That's who's in it, right? Yeah. He was in that quiet movie where they were really quiet. More famously known for with The his Office. Wife. And he was in it with his wife. Uh, what's her name? I don't know. I'm going to say Pam. Wife. I only know Pam no, as his wife. No, it's not Pam. No, it's not <laughs> Pam. She's famous, too. It was, it was a pretty good movie. It was very quiet. It was a quiet place, it was called. Interesting, but Jack Ryan, don't watch. I don't like it. Logan? Or watch it. Don't you know? Don't trust verify. Let me know how much you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Logan was pretty good. Long, long movie. Um, you didn't it. dump on us. I appreciate that. Where are we at now? We're basically even. What did we say we were at in the beginning? We're in the six three almost six two nine eight. I have sixty three hundred twenty eight dollars. Yeah, we went up a little good. bit. So thanks for not dumping on us. Ethereum hasn't completely capitulated while we were recording. Nice. Uh, in due time and uh any uh everything we're gonna end on here do you have any closing thoughts uh um, not the bitcoin oracle definitely not yeah i think that's i would that. say uh it's getting hard to write every day that's what i'll say it's i mean you're almost at a year right oh i'm way over a year if you if you don't subscribe to marty's pod uh Mar- marty's newsletter like make sure you subscribe to it it's the best newsletter there is um it's fantastic for me because like I have a, a newsletter within the product suite of mm-hmm. this podcast where I, I don't do any work. I just read it every day. It's fantastic. Uh, Thank you. Marty's looking for a new logo for, uh, I mean, we both kind of are for Tales from the Crypt. So that would yeah. be, if any of you guys are designers, like you want to earn some extra Bitcoin, like reach out to us. I got to sidebar that with you. I uh, think I found somebody. No, he thinks he found someone. So. You know, if you want to get us a nice like rabbit hole recap, you know, one, you know, you can get us get us a nice one that looks like that. We'll, maybe we'll pay you some Macallan or some Bitcoin. Yeah. And uh, just just know that you know the the Bitcoin thesis like holds true. Like this is we Bitcoin is is always gonna have peaks and valleys, and there's always gonna be a bubble and a bust. Mm-hmm. And not always, but for I think there will always for the first be. few few to probably maybe half a dozen decades. They'll just lessen, right? But yeah. like how can you ever like Bitcoin will be more stable, right? But will it ever be 
Yeah, probably. I guess like when you hit full saturation, but we're like long. We're long a long time. way off. Yeah, long way. So off. you'll always have these boom bust cycles, you know, and you have to think long term. And I think we've both been very consistent in that. Is that you know, just it's it's a it's a long term play, and and we remain ever ever so bullish. Remain steadfast. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. Writing. Uh, I'm trying not to be repetitive. So it's uh. Thank you, Laurent, for putting out uh, your POW pieces because it's giving me a lot of fodder to write about. Oh, yeah, no one was accusing you of being bear weary. I just, I just don't like to turn down an opportunity to tell the bears to go fuck themselves <laughs> and that they can't have my Bitcoin. Opportunity taken, and that was this week in the Rabbit Hole Recap. Thank, Cheers, guys. Thank you, Freaks, for joining us. Peace and love. Oh, before peace and love. Oh, shit. Make sure you We're rate, subscribe. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and share. It really helps. Any platform that you use, hit that like button. Hit subscribe. Subscribe, unsubscribe, whatever you need to do. Yeah, the subscribe's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Peace and love. We appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Deuces.